0: Hello I'm Paul Griffith
1: and I'm Victoria Ash
0: and welcome to the Business of Adventure podcast where we talk with people doing what they love about the commercial side of what they do while the backdrop may be endurance cycling or rock climbing or kayaking or something like mountain biking the challenges we're talking about are finding customers building reputation and managing finances after writing about and talking to a whole range of adventurers and guides and coaches last year We're embarking on a new project today, which I think is going to be a little bit special. Do you want to tell us about it, Victoria?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's the first in our new startup series where we're going to follow an adventure entrepreneur through their journey of setting up a business from scratch and through their first year of operation and learn about all the excitement the successes and the challenges they face and the plan is that today's the first one and then we'll be checking in with our new business owner at regular intervals over the coming months.
0: That's great I think this is going to be really interesting to a lot of our listeners who are maybe thinking of starting business themselves or already in those early stages so go on tell us who we're hearing from.
1: Okay, so this conversation was recorded a couple of months ago with a guy called Nick Butter, who lots of people will have heard of as the first and only person to have run a marathon in every country in the world, which he did in just 674 days. He's also a writer has a number of great books, a broadcaster, and he's set up a charity as well called the 196 Foundation. But what we're talking about in the podcast is really about his new venture, which is called Run Weekends. It's a specialist travel and adventure company offering non-competitive social running trips to an amazing range of places from all around the UK to Australia, and in future, even North Korea, I think. So the story is really exciting. And also we hear about how it's quite nerve-wracking for him too, at times.
0: Indeed, we should get going, but I'd just like to draw our keen listeners' attention to what you just said. We're starting off on a new project with this podcast, and you said it's really quite exciting, but also quite nerve-wracking. I'm hoping this, how it feels when you're running an adventure business. is something we can come back to over time as we catch up with Nick over the year. It surprised me over the years, how common and shared our feelings are at different stages of a business's growth. And even more surprisingly, how we can use this to help set strategy and run our business better. But look, enough of that for now. I'm looking forward to hearing how this has played out for Nick in the early stages, and then how it'll evolve over time when we talk to him again. Um, what else are we going to learn from this podcast then?
1: Yeah, thanks really for that overview of that sort of business stages and life cycle process. I think that's really good backdrop to our conversation. There's just loads of useful and insightful stuff in there. But in addition to the emotions and feelings that Nick's been through briefly, we will be hearing about all the things that Nick did in the pre-startup phase The research the planning the testing and then about that decision to make a financial commitment and press the go button that's probably the nerve-wracking point but we'll hear about how that felt and how it went and then he tells us what went well what didn't go to plan and most importantly what he's learned from that and I think there's a lovely learning comes out at the end about the importance of getting a sense of perspective when your new business can just feel all consuming and nothing else in the world matters. So there's some really nice
0: insights there. I think I need to hear that. Look, it sounds great. Let's get listening.
1: Okay. So hello and welcome to the next episode of the Business of Adventure podcast and welcome Nick Butter. It's great to have you here today.
2: Thank you very much for having me on. I'm keen to get stuck into it.
1: Super. Yeah. And thank you also. This is the first, I hope, in a series of chats where we're going to be following you through your new business adventure. And uh, yeah, so so thanks for agreeing to do that as we mentioned in our introduction, you are best known for running the world, literally running a marathon in every country in the world. But yeah, we're here today to talk in detail about your new venture, Run Weekends, which sounds awesome and we really want to get stuck into that. But I mean, perhaps we could kick off briefly about how you've built a career and generated an income from your previous adventures. Um, How have you translated that love of running and those amazing feats of endurance into a living, because yeah. that, that'd be a really interesting background, I think.
2: Yeah, it's not really a proper job, is it? um <laughs> I, I think I think that is it. It's stringing one fun project to the next. And whereas you would have, you know, you'd go away on holiday and have a lovely time and then you'd hope to do it again in a few months. What I tried to do was forge a career slash this Fun life of mine that was doing what I loved could make a bit of difference and earn enough money to put food and food and water on the table and then repeat. Uh, And so the honest answer is it's it's not been easy. And I think from the outside a lot of people assume that uh, Nick's just got lots of sponsors and he just gets you know money rolling into his bank account Mm. and he just goes and does what he wants. Uh, And I hope (laughs) that my answer will kind of. Who shoot all of that down and say actually it's quite the opposite it's it's more of a case of my life is in a, in a cycle of plan a trip a mission whether that's a month long whether it's two years long so you spend a period of time planning then you go into phase two which is the doing so you have to go and make sure that you achieve what you've set out to achieve which is very easy to say in a few words but <laughs> when you're running marathon in every country in the world or Running north to south of Italy or circumnavigating Bali, doing the Camino, all these different trips I've done or running around the whole of Britain in four months. That's hard. That phase is hard, mm-hmm. uh, but physically hard. It's completely different to the other two phases, which are very much logistical, financial where you're you're stressing there's lots of time behind the laptop. Mm. So I think for lots of people, and especially people like me that get their therapy from being outdoors and running, the laptop phase is hard, because you have to be stuck behind a screen. And when it's a beautiful day, like it is today, you want to be outdoors running, and you have to manage that time. So phase two is the is the exciting bit, but it is physically difficult. And then phase three is the recoup on the funds, or at least to top up what is the empty pocket, I suppose, is more about more accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get that pocket to a level where you are stable enough, and that is through sponsors, it's through doing some talks, it's through writing some books. Um, And a lot of it is the soft skills, like getting some adverts out there, sharing your journey with non-paying opportunities, uh, quite a lot of those And then starting to get back into phase one, Um, Mm. when another idea pops into your head, it has to be the right time. You can't just immediately go and do a a £100,000 trip if you don't have Mm. £100,000. So the honest answer is I don't quite know how I've been able to string those things together. But it's been incredibly enjoyable. And I've been trying to put my focus on that, doing what I enjoy and doing what I love and following a passion. My phrase that I always use when I speak in schools or even to my mates is, do what you love and the money will come hmm. it may not be millions and it may not you know be able to fund what you'd love to do next but it will work out more or less uh so i've taken my foot a little bit off the pedal on the income side and put it down on the adventure side over the past 10 years and i think over the last 18 months that's shifted from okay, let's try and have a bit of a balance of that now. Let's put my business head back on, mm. um, getting older, wanting to have a, a family and a, and a and a bit more of a stable existence. So it's a case of just easing those pedals in the, in the right way.
1: Yeah, but I love that. I mean, I think that's really good advice about do what you love and the money will follow because I think that that's a common thread to the conversations of business adventure entrepreneurs we've talked to, you know, if it's not filling you with enthusiasm to get up and do what you have to do every day. Okay, we all have to do the books (laughs) and do the accounts every so often. You may not love that. But in general, if there isn't that sense of drive and energy and it's filling you with joy, then that's probably not the right thing. So, yeah, lovely advice. So, yeah, we'll perhaps come on in a moment into that evolution from that very cyclical nature of what you've been doing to trying to create perhaps a more sustainable business. But yeah, tell us about Run Weekends and what it is, where it is, what stage you're at now.
2: Yes, Run Weekends. So very exciting. And this has been born out of uh, lots of friends, family, followers saying, you know, you you should do something like this. So essentially Run Weekends are running adventures, retreats, uh, guided running holidays, that kind of phraseology, a trip which takes no more than 16 runners for a long weekend, and that term is used very loosely, sometimes it's a couple of weeks, sometimes it's just a night or two, a way to have fun running. And I think that's the essence. So I suppose it's easy to say what we're not, we're not a race, we are not a competitive element where we are racing against each other, you don't get a medal, there is no timing chip. Um, You don't have to be stressed when you turn up, it's quite the opposite. Our values are togetherness, adventure, discovery, and friendship. So it's about that middle ground between going to a park run on a Saturday or the other end of the spectrum, running Ultra trail Blanc, 100 miles in the mountains at a big race and you pay a lot of money for it and you have to qualify for it. So something in the middle where you can go and mm. meet with like-minded people, have a good quality weekend and hopefully make friends with those people that may even be friends for life. Mm. So bringing the running community together to run, not race, essentially.
1: Excellent. Sounds like a great idea. And UK based, international, where can people go?
2: Uh, A bit of both. Yes. So started small in Cornwall and Wales, Lake District, Northumberland. But when we launched, we decided to throw in a few further afield places in there because I'm known for running the world and hence going to some weird and wonderful places. And I would quite like to take people there and show them around. Mm. And so just a few weeks ago, we came back from our trip to the Kosovo and Albanian mountains, and that trip was wonderful. Mm. Uh, So places like Kosovo, Corfu, Alice Springs in Australia, you've got the Dolomites, you've got the Pyrenees, you've got Dubai, um, Santiago, Barcelona, so some city break type, Mm -hmm. some very much off the beaten track, you know, 13 nights through through the bush in the middle of Australia, and then running the likes of a section of the Camino de Santiago. So using my experience and using my contacts, more importantly, to build short, very fun, laid-back, flexible itineraries where we can have small groups of people to come along and, and have fun. And, yeah, all over the world. We've even got, in 2024 and 25, we have the likes of Tonga, one of the Pacific islands, mm. and, uh, and even North Korea on the list. So fun.
1: Yeah, I'm really... I'm very curious about how you get to run in somewhere like North Korea, but I think we'll have to come back to that on another occasion. Okay. Sounds like a really interesting concept. So launched in the summer, you've run a few weekends already. And how has, how's that gone?
2: Oh gosh. I think the how's it gone it has gone incredibly well is the answer it's i've not really had huge setbacks in terms of the progress of the business and how people have responded to it i've had a lot of learnings along the way and i think anybody that's starting whether it's a a charity startup whether it's a business startup Mm. you stumble upon things and fix them and move on and so many of those difficulties have probably blurred into the background because you just you know overcome them and you continue so uh, maybe I'm looking at it with rose-tinted glasses a little bit but it's been it's been tough and it's been a challenge but it's been three months we've delivered a couple of weekends already and within 24 hours of getting back from Kosovo only a week ago we've already had a couple of people rebook uh, for other weekends um, next year right. and had some lovely emails come in from some guests you know saying things that it was just you know above and beyond what they're expecting uh, and, and that that means more to me than right now. Means more to me than the turnover or how the business is doing. Because mm. if few people exceed their expectations, then that's achieving what we set out to do, uh, and and the rest, as I said earlier, the rest will come later. The money will will happen after.
1: That's a a great point, and I think you've identified. I think one of the clear points, I guess, about being an entrepreneur, it's partly yes, you've got to measure. Revenue, profitability, manage cash flow, but it's also about the energy in the business and yeah. how you're feeling. Yeah. I don't know. What would you sum up as the sort of main feeling you've had during this startup phase? Um,
2: how would I sum it up? If I could sum it up in one word, maybe I would use fizz. It's just this kind of excitable. Buzz, it's also a bit chaotic, but it's a good energy. It's going in the right direction. And more importantly, it has that kind of propulsion feel of progressing into the next stage all the time. I think that I would sum it up as fizz still, but I hope in 2024 it becomes more of a of just a repetitive ripples where I can be a bit more in control, where it's a little bit less energy and more controlled direction. and. We'll see if that works. It may not. It may, may take me another year to get through that fifth stage, but we'll
1: see. Yeah, well, hopefully, as we're going to be checking back in every three months or so, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, looking at your working day, how much are you allocating to run weekends and how much to other ventures and stuff? Yeah, good point. Um,
2: in honesty, it completely flexes. It depends on what else is going on in my life i'm also i'm trying to buy a house and managing a charity i'm managing my coaching clients Mm -hmm. um managing the dog um and as anybody that's ever tried to buy or sell a house before that basically is all consuming regardless Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um there is uh there's there's the balance if i had to put a number on it i would say i'm spending around six or seven hours a day on run weekends Okay. But then I'm working long days, like to be up early, get my fitness and things out of the way, and then do a long day, have dinner, switch off, but then have a good two or three hours before I sleep just to make sure I'm on top of things before the following day. And I quite like that. It doesn't feel too full on. It feels like I'm managing at the right pace at the moment.
1: Okay. Okay. Now that's just, I think, helpful guidance because I know a lot of people who'll be listening will be yeah. possibly in the same phase yeah. or contemplating setting up a business venture based on doing the things they love. So, yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's get back in time a bit to your sort of pre-launch phase, because as I say, people are going to be interested in that bit too, especially if they're thinking of their own ventures. Where did the vision, inspiration come from Uh, how connected was that to that sort of cyclical point of your sort of existence before? And was that a driver trying to sort of smooth that out a bit? Or talk us through that.
2: Yeah, you're right. I think it probably was a driver, but subconsciously. It it certainly wasn't conscious for a while. It wasn't a, you know, I need to be more sensible. Let's let's try and have a more stable existence. I think the Run Weekends was bubbling away in the background as an idea for many years since running the world really and you know people would say to you using North Korea as a great example when are you going you know how did you go there oh, how did you do that place or what, what was the Marshall Islands like you had problems with dogs there would you ever go back and then you have people saying oh I'd really like to do that or you know I've had a good couple of dozen come people come to me and say um, I would like to organize this big record breaking trip around the world can you ha- can you help me with contacts and, I would like, mm. and so there's a lot of people out there That want to do these kind of things. And I thought, well, yeah, it would be quite good to to do this kind of thing. And then the rise of settling down a bit, the rise of enjoying a little bit more stability, then gave birth to, I think we should probably give this a go. Mm -hmm. Uh, And from that, I'm as anybody that knows me I'm very all or nothing it's a case of if I'm going to do it it will be a success it's not if it's when (laughs) it's just how long it will be to to make it work and I'm incredibly grateful to have that belief in myself because it's just knowing that if I'm going to get stuck into it I will fumble through and you know (laughs) fall over over over, and over and just keep going until 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 it's made possible Mm. and so I did spend a good 18 months or so of of research, Mm -hmm. of working out what it could look like, um, what other companies are out there, trying to see if there was really, truly a need for my thought, Mm -hmm. because you really know. Um, And then there's a lot of, I I think this is quite useful as a bit of context for social media. When I'm getting on and recording a story, for example, I'm saying, hey, everybody, I'm about to go and run uh, circumnavigate Bali. Mm. People engage with that and they can hear it. And also as it comes out of my mouth, internally I'm thinking, is that interesting? Is it fun? Do I want to do this? Are people gonna enjoy watching it? And so internally I do the same stuff with Run Weekends. You know, So when I'm talking mm. in my head to myself about what Run Weekends could be and who it's for, that's then when I will trip over things so they actually know well we can't do a week-long trip that often because people may not be around they may not have the annual leave and so there's a lot of kind of internal backwards and forwards with that so the inspiration and the research and the business planning was over that 18 months phase and just like anybody that's out there in a startup of any kind Mm. you do your best but you're very aware that a lot of what you are about to learn is way out of sight to you until you until you happen upon it. Mm, um mm. and that's certainly been the last last year. And yeah, and I guess the three months that we've been live now, that research has paid off because I think there's this whole 80-20 of you know you spend 80% of the time sharpening the axe and then you only spend 20% of the time cutting the tree down. And I really believe in that, but also you're gonna learn stuff in that 20% of the time too. And As long as I keep reminding myself that no matter how many years down the line we get, there will be the continual unexpected things that we have to overcome, then I hope I will continue to enjoy it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously you were having these internal dialogues Mm. and doing the research. Do you get any external advice? Did you have any kind of mentors or people you bounced ideas off during this phase?
2: lots of people yes so friends of friends and friends of parents friends friends of old business contacts friends of great contacts that i've met all over the world you know people that are incredibly senior within various governments around the world and very fortunate that i probably had i'm going to say 40 conversations individual conversations with 40 individuals all over the place and saying this is what i'm about to do tell me what you think and and they were the type of people that would be honest not just Mm -hmm. go that's a great idea Nick great bye um they were helpful and they made me think of things and I was asking the same questions even last week in Kosovo to the guests we have on the trip I was saying look why did you pick this one what would if we change things what would choose you to not come on this trip again that kind of thing and you know so I learned something even then and uh, one of the guests said, look, if it was four days long, not three, I wouldn't have been able to come because I can't afford mm. that much time away from the family and from work. And this was a push, but it was just about doable. Mm. And they said, you've got a really great six day one in the Dolomites in July, but I can't come to it because it's six days. If it was three, I might be able to come to it. Mm. And I didn't fully understand that. And so I guess a big learning for me overall in that point was if people that can afford these trips and that are interested and want to be there and see what I'm doing, But they often most people only have that short space of time then we really need to remember that when we're looking for future events and I wasn't putting as much weight on that as I should have done so to answer your question yes I asked loads of people but I'm still continuing to ask loads
1: of people yeah 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 and what about skill sets I mean so I appreciate you've had to develop I think you alluded at the outset that you know it's a very different skill set yeah to go out and run the world and then the laptop stuff and the business stuff. Did you find though in looking at this new venture that you either needed to develop new capability yourself or that you needed to bring in that capability through other people? Uh,
2: A bit of both, yeah. So so the model of Run Weekends is that me and a couple of others sit in the centre of the circle, if you like, and then each weekend has a as a manager and a support person so it'll be me one other and those two people that manage that weekend mm. uh, and they help with the logistics they help with the running of the weekend and so much of the conversations i'm doing on a daily basis is saying right okay so china for example who's going to be helping manage uh, australia saying mm. yeah, we've got the accommodation sorted out we made sure that there's twin beds and double beds so we made sort of this et cetera et cetera so we're having those conversations and i believe my skill lies in some good delegation and trying to farm out bits that can be done um By the people that are on the ground, you know, O'Chana's very successful uh, Australian uh, runner has run across Australia. She knows the trail, she has the contacts. Mm. Why should I do it? I'm confident in being able to lead and delegate and be orderly. The other element of it is, that I think, I'm poor at is the balance between be- being a host on a trip and having the business in the background. Mm. And so, you know, we sat down at breakfast in Kosovo last week. And I did my first morning briefing in Cospo with the with the group, and I made it very clear that I would rather people be safe than have fun, and that is with my business head on. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have business, I wouldn't be saying that. I'd say go and have fun. That's the most important thing. And mm-hmm. so I've really got to learn. And I think that was right. You know, it's the right thing to do. You've got to be safe. Um, and I'd rather you be safe than happy. <laughs> but let's try and get a balance you know don't so what my point was you don't go off and do silly things and be considerate to others in the group and how how things will fare and that is difficult because all I want to do is is be the life and the soul of the event and be a host rather than the business behind it so fingers fingers crossed I will get to go through that a little better
1: Yeah. And that'll be an interesting thing, I guess, for us to continue talking about as whether actually at some point it makes sense to kind of make those two roles separate, that hosting and logistics, perhaps. But we'll come back to that. So just going back to that pre-launch, I mean, was there ever a point where it was clear to you that you were making a sort of go, no-go decision that you knew, right, we're going ahead with this? Or was it just a gradual process?
2: Um, No, there were uh, both. So it was a gradual process with the research and the planning and the prepping the website and the trips and the logistics. But then there was definitely the go ahead moment. And I think the go ahead moment really comes with going, right, we're going to put a deposit down on accommodation. We are going Mm. to pay for our liability cover we're going to get our first aids course, we're going to, you know, do those things. And once you've done a few of those, Mm. you're down that line, and you're going, right, let's give it a go. But then there's the other moments of pushing the website live Mm. and having having the payment platform that, you know, took a while to organize and making sure we're able to fund Mm. refunds and we're able to do the cancellations or do the amendments of the bookings. And so once all of that is in place, it becomes very real. Mm. But once it's neat and tidy, it gives me confidence that that's all there. You know, we've got our mm-hmm. automated emails, we have the process, we have the people behind the systems, and so we can go. So there was definitely a switch, and I remember it was what the seventeenth of July, and it was a, a really lovely day on the eighteenth, really beautiful, sunny. The waves were perfect, and I love to surf. I remember not. Having any fun on the 18th because I was just glued to making sure that we, you know, people weren't emailing me or messaging me saying oh, I've seen an error or you know just so yeah you know it's, you can only do so much testing until you go live and so there was that yeah 17th of July was the cutoff when everything went boom we started to get bookings and we had bookings mm. within days wow. uh, and that's then started to give started to give me confidence.
1: That's a very interesting uh, snapshot of how that feels, that kind of anxiety, excitement, fears as you described it. Yeah, so obviously sounds as though it went well from the outset. We got inquiries, got bookings. Were there any kind of challenges or kind of ah, moments that came up that you hadn't anticipated?
2: Yes, and so a couple. One, one is once you have, let's say, three bookings for a weekend, and you want to have 16 that's the maximum
1: Mm.
2: as the date gets closer as the days tick by are we going to get any more bookings for this one are we going to get to half capacity and if we get to half capacity then that might be our break-even point Mm. you know so there's these the number crunching in the background and actually i've learned to just you know so i was having the conversations of the strategy saying do we just have three weekends that we promote And we try and book them all up or do we have like we're trying to do 2024 events next year and maybe not have them all at capacity but give people options and learn and my Mm. view is i'd rather give a variety and maybe not make as much money but have the flexibility and learn which is popular and and do the events so we can do them again Mm. and then the following year around we can streamline them we can we can amend them so i've gone with that approach because it feels right and I don't know whether this is the <laughs> right or not, but I think in life and in business, there is an element of trusting your instincts and trusting the mm-hmm. what you feel should be the thing, even if it's in the back of your head, maybe the numbers aren't right, it's still a good decision. And I'm confident with that now. Um, but that was a bit of a turning point of, right, mm-hmm. we've got some bookings. Should I advertise this next one? You know, we've just gone live with Food, just about to push the Larapin to trail live. Should we do that? Or should we wait for the other ones to book up?
1: Mm-hmm. And another
2: learning off the back of that was to push our calendar out further. So I was really thinking it would only need four, five, six months ahead of time for people to see something and then commit to it. Mm-hmm. And doing more research on some other similar companies, but they do races, they were offering tickets 18 months in advance. Mm-hmm. And that means that people can pay for things slower mm. so with run weekends you pay your 20 percent deposit which may be a couple of hundred pounds and you have up until 60 days before to pay your full balance and so if they have 15 months not five that is going to be much more appealing because people get paid on a monthly basis and they can slowly drip feed their payments Mm-mm. and therefore maybe get more bookings. so big learning there was to get things live earlier
1: okay that's really interesting and presumably i mean apart from the break-even issue, there must be a sort of critical mass in terms of creating the kind of atmosphere and ambiance and fun element that you're trying to build.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I've had lots of discussions about that as well. You know, yeah, you say the critical mass is perfect phraseology. We need to have people there to feel like a good community and a good camaraderie of the weekend.
1: Brilliant. So three months in... Mm. Are we still at that fizzing point? Is it becoming a little bit more stable? I, I think we're still at the fizzing
2: point, but it's uh, a sustained fizz. It's not as chaotic. It's uh, No, I still feel the energy. I still feel the buzz. And I think that where we are in the calendar year is also similar to that because I'm now racing. So the old phrase of it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and to use a kind of project management terminology, it's a series of sprints. So you are going rush, 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 get this done, pause, regroup, rush, 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 get this done. And obviously, that's the nature of run of the weekends appearing in the calendar. But now we've got a couple of months till the end of the year, and I want to go into the new year neat and tidy and, and, and everything in a good place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm spending more and more time. Uh, behind the laptop doing that and enjoying it. So there's the fizz there. But mm. I think next year, I think that will draw a line under that initial initial bubbles and we will have a more robust approach.
1: We often talk to people or there's a, a model for describing uh, the way businesses grow in a sort of life cycle and going through a period of kind of step changes, if you like, or going through what might be described as kind of walls And one of the first ones people come to after startup is the need for some kind of investment. And I wondered whether that had figured in your thinking as yet. I know you've just mentioned maybe from what you're saying, hiring some members of staff. I don't know. Do you have a sense of what that next phase of investment might look like?
2: Yes. So you're absolutely right. This is the this is the elephant in the room, I suppose, with the with the immediate 48 months of the business. If we are, and so to be clear, I don't think we need investment to grow and be successful. Mm. I would like investment to grow and be successful in an optimal way. So quicker, more efficiently with better spend and less waste. So Mm. I think that is what investment would do. And that is why I need to find my time in order to find the investment in a smart way (laughs) Because it can change the way the project is managed. Now, I'm not necessarily thinking about hiring full-time staff or even part-time staff, but I'm certainly wanting to outlay some money to have some people closer to what I'm doing. But just to know and be more involved so it's not all in my head or in one machine, mm. one laptop. But yeah, investment will come and it will transform what we do. But there is still an element of fundamentals that I need to be all over and completely on top of Mm. in order to a get the investment and to be utilize it well when we do Mm. Um, so that is the next step investment um but 24 if I can how would I summarize the whole year 2024 is about doing what we do well and getting those feedback reviews like we Mm. have Mm. uh, and the investment will come now the model and, and how that looks and how the money will be spent and the returns and all that. That is the next phase of that, I think. Let's get 24 done well.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll be obviously hopefully checking in on how that goes. And just wrapping up, you've already mentioned a number of key learnings, but if you were to pick Mm. one or two, what would they be? And equally, what are the one or two things that you would do differently or advise other people to watch out for as bear traps?
2: Yeah. I think this is similar to what I would say as a, a life question and a business question, which is always to have a bit of perspective and to mm. zoom out. And if once you zoom out on a situation, it's still stressful and, and difficult and complicated, zoom out again. And that's what I try and do with everything, um, whether it's running a long distance or whether it's working with a charity or, or starting the business. Mm. You know, it's not a life and death thing. Mm. Um, fortunately, I'm not in that kind of game. This is a, a fun entertaining thing and so whenever everything gets a bit too much i just zoom out until i get that feeling of it's all right so so that's a big learning because otherwise it could become very unfun mm-hmm. and therefore you want to say oh, i don't want to do it anymore mm-hmm. or you say i'm not going to do it like that because of the risk or i'm not going to do it like that because it's too stressful you know with the ultimately the big problem we have at the moment is the is cash flow for 24 and making sure that we've got enough money to put deposits down and also repay people if they want to counsel, all this mm, sort of stuff. And so mm. that's a stress, but it doesn't matter really <laughs> because we will work it out. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, so that's my one learning, and I think it's something that has helped me be generally a better human being, <laughs> just zoom out sometimes. Brilliant,
1: getting a bit of perspective, yeah. yeah. And any sort of particular thing that you'd counsel other people to look out for?
2: Um yeah, I suppose it's the whole advice from other people thing is incredibly fundamental, but it's also, it's also your decisions. It's also your business. It's also your ears and eyes that are listening and taking that advice and can filter it as you wish. Um, you know, I had some great advice. A good one example I'm thinking of is to be robust in a startup. You have things like financial failure cover. You have public liabilities, employees liability. And I was going through this conversation with a good friend of mine and saying, look, this is what I do, this is what you need. And he's 10, 12 years down the line of his startup, not mm. much of a startup now, he's he's further down the line. And you know, we're six weeks in, and I was having this conversation thinking, oh, whoa, well, we I've not thought about this, and I need to do this. And therefore, it got quite to the point of okay, I've I, I got this wrong entirely if I just not thought about things. But the advice was sound, but It also didn't need to be acted on by me immediately. Mm. And the risks that were involved weren't there uh, until much later down the line. And so I think the pitfall I had was listening to advice and trying to soak everything in Mm. when actually some of it was valid, but just not right now. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: That's a good one. So, I mean, it's just I suppose it's about that contextual background. of just being clear of what my context is now as opposed to what the context is going to be for a business at a different stage of development. So, yeah, no, good one. Okay, thank you. Look, we've kind of run over our allotted time, and I think that's been fascinating, um, really inspirational, and I know people are going to draw some really useful lessons and um, inspirational thoughts from that. So thank you very much. We'll be checking back with you hopefully in the next three, four months, early next year, seeing how things are going, how 24 is shaping up. So, I mean, obviously, encouragement to everybody listening to check out the runweekends.com website. More generally, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you know when our next conversation with Nick is coming up. Check out the Business of Adventure blog, where there are lots more stories of successful entrepreneurs in the outdoor and adventure world. So that's it for today. Thank you, Nick. Goodbye. Um, speak to you soon.
2: To you soon. Thank you.
1: Bye.